good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph Austin, you're locked into the Mile High Hockey Podcast for June 29th, 2015. Coming up on the show, it's been one hell of a weekend with Colorado making trades and starting free agency early, and that's before we even mention that whole entry draft thingy. But before we play the whoosh, let's meet the disembodied voices for the week. Making her debut on the pod, unless I'm wrong, is the cupcake master herself, Sandy Gauthier. Is I say that right? Hey, Sandy. Hello. And returning, as he often does, AJ from BSN. Welcome back. Hi to you, sir. Hi to you. So, shall we break some news? Item number one, legal free agent tampering period begins, and Colorado discover they can come quickly to terms with Boston forward Carl Soderberg. They move a sixth for his rights, who cares, and sign him for five years at $4.75 million cap hit to prevent others from having the chance. Two-part question to separate the man from the money. First up, how do you like Soderberg on the ABS roster? Go for it, Sandy. No, you can take it, hun. Okay. Um, I like him. I like him as a player. He was a guy that coming into the free agency period, I kind of thought, you know, it'd be really cool if the Avalanche found a way to bring him on board, but didn't really think it was going to be realistic. Um, he's a he's a guy that that produced pretty decent numbers with some not very good line mates in his two years in Boston, so. I'm excited to see what he does um, in Colorado, where he should be surrounded by a little bit better, a little bit better talent. Um, and I like the fact that he was able to play uh, both center and wing, though he was a better center. And I think he's going to be uh, a guy that uh, is is an underrated pickup for our power play next year. So the player I like. I feel the same way. I think that he is he could be quite good. I enjoy what he brought. I don't know how he'll be in Colorado. I think he'll do quite well. Uh, I think that as soon as we saw that he came over, it was confirmation that O'Reilly was going to be gone. So given what we knew, I'm willing to give him a chance. I've seen some people say that he may have been carried a little bit by Louis Erickson, um, who was a line mate with, with him in Boston last season. I admittedly watched very little of Boston this season, so I don't really know how much of that is going to be realistically true. As from someone on Mile High, whose name escapes me right now, who's, I guess they're a Boston second guy, and that was what they saw was a lot of, uh, a lot of Louis Erickson. You know, Louis, I mean, Louis Erickson's a really good hockey player, so that, I, I think he's, he had a tough time in Boston last year, but... I think I I'm, I like Louis Erickson a lot, I and mean, given the opportunity to have Erickson or Soderberg, I would have I would have taken Erickson, but right. I I like I like uh, I like Soderberg plenty. I think he's I think he's a good player, and I think he's an underrated player. And I think when you look at the numbers, um, the work that he did defensively, um, I I like that. The one thing that came up consistently when I was breaking down some of his numbers was uh, shot suppression. Right. And that shots against were a lot lower with him on the ice, even though he didn't necessarily generate a lot of shots himself. Um, teams weren't teams weren't feasting on him every time he touched the ice. And I think that's probably the thing about the acquisition that I like the most. That was the same thing that I saw when I looked at his numbers. Like I was, was kind of looking at it, and his relative possession was pretty much flat 
Um, and then when you dig into it a little bit deeper, you see that that's because he doesn't produce a lot of shots in the right direction, but he sure prevents a lot of shots in the wrong direction. Yeah. And his uh, his charts from Mimico Hero show that it's him being at a first line level at shot suppression. Um, not quite that for his um, shot generation, to say the least. But that's what this team really needs is some something that's going to help stop the bleeding defensively. Yeah, definitely. I I I like the the shot suppression over the shot generation. I feel like there are plenty of other talented offensive players that he's going to be playing around that can handle that. So having having kind of like a defensive ace in the hole like that is something I am really excited about. Okay. Second up, your thoughts on the deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, it had to happen, right? So you get the best you can. If you want this player then this was probably the money that was going to take to keep someone else from getting this player. You know, when we got him, it had been rumored he was asking for five mil. And that, I mean, obviously that felt like it was too high to me. It still feels like it's too high. And the yes. abs were able to, they, they came in under that, not by by about the thinnest margin, realistically <laughs> possible. Um, Less than the minimum. The money, the money, the money, I don't mind nearly as much as the term. Uh, I thought the five years was excessive. Um, I think five years from now, four point seven five million is going to be no big deal whatsoever. I don't think it'll be peanuts or anything, but I don't. I don't feel like it's going to be an exorbitant cap hit, and certainly not going to be an anchor moving forward. But the five years that that part that part has me a little bit nervous. The money, though, the money's not too bad. Um, when the when the the story broke and all that, and I kind of looked it up league wide, uh, just just looking at centers, four point seven five made him the thirty ninth highest paid center in hockey, and considering he's one of the top centers on the UFA market this year, making him the thirty ninth highest paid center, uh, based on um, AAV, I can live with that. I mean, relative to what's going on around him and in the league, fine, that's great. The Avs probably plan to play him as a second line guy, which, you know, may be questionable. Maybe you know, that's that's a different discussion. But given given all that, given their likely goal for him and and relative to the league, he's being paid like a second line center. He's gonna be he's gonna be played like one most likely. So I didn't feel like it was too out of line. I am with you. Um, I would have liked to see that be three or four years, and if it's going to be five, I'd like to see his his uh, cap ask come down more than uh, 0.25 mil. I'd agree. I would have thought for the fifth year they could have gotten it down to at least four or five. But... San- Sandy, any thoughts on the deal? I mean, I always like shorter terms when it's guys that you haven't seen play in the team chemistry, essentially. Uh, the money itself, I don't really think that it's that big of a deal. Four years would have been nicer than five, but that's what you needed to do to sign him, so. I echo all of her sentiments. I especially like the point of not having seen the guy play in your team yet. Especially a guy that doesn't have a lengthy track record like Soderberg. Exactly. If it's Iggy wanting an extra four year, or like, no, if he was younger, Iggy wanting an extra four, fourth year, you do it. You know what he's going to bring. This guy, right. not so much. 
little bit little bit more of an uncertain future. He hadn't even played 200 games in the NHL yet, so. But he has played two full seasons. He was a consistently strong produ- producer um, in Sweden, and he was he's been pretty consistent his two years here as well. So, yeah, I don't know that he's that unknown of a quality. Uh, that's not the word I want. What is the, I don't even know what the word I want is. He's not that unknown <laughs> um, of, of a Q word, but... He's, um, he's unknown here with he's us. Un- he is unknown here. That is... He's I unknown agree Col- that. He's unknown in Colorado, and he's unknown in the West as well. I You know the, the, the styles between the West and the East? Me, personally, I feel like it's it's overstated a little bit. But... I do feel like, um, having watched him play, um, I do feel like he's going to fit in very, very, very nicely. So are we ready to move on to the draft floor? Yeah. Because after McDavid and Eichel went their separate ways, Gary Bettman steps up to the podium to announce the long, shattered about, speculated about, and by many desperately hoped for Nikita Zadorov trade. The particulars, in case you happen to miss it, and... You might grab some lunch for this one because there's a lot. Uh, Colorado send Ryan O'Reilly and Jamie McGinn, both UFA next summer, to Buffalo in exchange for Nikita Zadorov, Mikhail Gregorinko, prospect JT Comfer, and Buffalo's natural second, which was 31st overall. But wait, there's more. On Saturday, the Avs flipped 31 overall to San Jose for 39 overall, and both picks they gave up for Brad Stewart, the 2016 second and the 2017 sixth, which I thought was a 2016 sixth. Guess not. So, in exchange for Ryan O'Reilly and Jamie McGinn, Colorado received Nikita Zadorov, which I'm going to say back and forth constantly forever, Mikhail Grigorenko, JT Comfer, a 2015 39th, a 2016 second, and a 2017 sixth. Were you guys happy? Because I was pretty happy with that myself. Yeah, thrilled. It's over. And I feel like the Avs probably put themselves in the best possible position to maximize their return long-term than they, that they possibly could have. They essentially traded two expiring assets for four future ELCs, one of which is going to be on the team right now, or three ELCs, and then um, Grigorenko's RFA deal that they signed him to this summer. Um, I, I, there's upside with all those guys. Um, they all fill, they all fit a, you know, fit a, a profile. They all fill roles. They got future. They turned one pick into to two picks, three well three picks, and that's two second rounders. I mean, how often do you see a second rounder traded for two second rounders? So that's you know I I don't know I don't know what more people could have possibly wanted. Um, I guess you could say they could have signed O'Reilly, but they had to get the guy to say yes, and he wasn't going to do that. So you know it is what it is, and I think the Avalanche did the best that they could. They walked out with. Uh, Zadarov, who's a tower of power on the blue line, <laughs> and I, uh, I'm very excited for him. And you know, Grigorenko's been pretty horribly mismanaged by the Sabers up to this point in his career. And if that if that gets on track, you know, he actually looked great in the AHL last year. And if we give him another year in the AHL, or he comes into camp, you know, pissed off and ready to to play the way he should play. He could be a real, real big steal for the Avs, like a real big steal for the Avs. So those are those are the two big pieces that are the most exciting. Um, I love Comfer. I loved his game in Michigan and all my times 
that I was watching uh, Zach Wierenski, hoping the Avs would get him. Uh, JT, I mean, JT Confer is awesome. So he's he's not going to be a, a star or anything, but he's that kind of highly skilled third line guy that busts his ass on every shift that can play uh, in all situations, especially the penalty kill. That is such a useful player down the line, and I hope I personally I hope they sign him sooner than later. Don't don't let him get to free agency. Yeah, I'd love to see them sign him right now, honestly, and and put him in the AHL. He's a uh, he's a freshman, right? He he was a freshman. Uh, I believe so. Because everything I'm reading about him makes him kind of sound like an Andrew Shaw type. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, a little less actually... boneheaded. A good that's actually a pretty good comparison. Um I hadn't I hadn't really thought of many comps for him. But uh that's a in in terms of successful NHL player comp, yeah, I think that's a pretty good one. Gregorenko, of course, has a little bit of uh of history with Patrick Waugh, right? Didn't they? Wasn't he a rampart? Yeah, yeah, he played for them. He played for Waugh in, in Quebec. But that's for for me, that I don't know. That doesn't really do much for me. That's whatever. But I was able to get a lot out of him, and I think that's where it's going to become important. He has the rapport with him so that he knows what the player needs to be able to get the best out of him because he did it before. Yeah, I mean, they're different. I, I would I would say that they're both different people now. You know, Wah has grown and changed as a coach, and Grigorenko has obviously grown and changed as a player in different ways. So... You know, he's not the same. They're not the same guys that left each other a couple of years ago. So I'm not I'm not saying it's not going to work or anything. I just think that that familiarity, the same thing with Radulov coming to Colorado, you know, that, that whole familiarity, it's not going to hurt anything. But I don't think I don't think that's like a, a big time key. I think more than anything, Grigorenko just needed to be away from Buffalo, who was they 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 did awful, awful things to his development. Just because um, the guys that the guys that made the decisions on his career were ones who ended up getting pushed out the door almost immediately, and they were trying to save their jobs and they thought he could do it, and he just wasn't ready for that kind of that kind of responsibility. He was nowhere near ready for the NHL when they put him in there, and once you do that, you can't really go back very easily. So he's he's a guy that just needed to be away from Buffalo. And I don't think the the relationship with Wah is going to hurt at all. But I think more than anything, just being in a, in an organization that isn't looking to him as a savior is, is going to help. He can go about his business very quietly here. And we'll, uh, we'll get into where he fits into the roster a little bit later. Um, but obviously the, the prize piece is your tower of power. I like that quite a bit. <laughs> That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Nikita Zabs. Yeah, he's. I mean, you don't see guys that are six foot five that can skate like that very often, and and you he's... don't acquire them when they're twenty very often either. Oh my gosh, right? And he's got two years left on his ELC. Guy's gonna cost the Avalanche like something like one point seven million dollars over the next two years. You want your cap uh... flexibility to go grab Andre Sakara? There it is. Yeah, and that's the other thing with the O'Reilly deal was that. They put themselves, they set themselves up uh, to go become major players in free agency this week. So they can go after any of the forwards that they want to if they so feel inclined, and they can go after any number of the defensemen that they want to. And 
The Avs could very realistically be looking at an opening night roster that does not see more than one of Redmond, Holden, Stewart, and Gennon on the ice. Woohoo! You're making me all happy over here. Stop it. So that's it's a very real possibility depending on what the Avs are able to actually accomplish in reality and not theoretically in the next couple of days. Yeah, theoretically, there's a lot of a lot of really nice rosters being baited out there. Yeah, I mean, 16 million allows you to do a lot of things. The Avs could go out and they could overpay for a guy like Michael Froelich just to add to their third third line depth and become. I mean, their top nine at that point would be extremely impressive, and they could they could go out. They could get Sakara and Oduya and. Zadarov could be a, a guy that's on the on the third the third pairing on opening night, and you know that's that's a roster you can go to war with. I think I think the Central Division needs to be on their toes, especially Nashville, because they're looking like they could take a pretty steep fall here if they can't get uh, they can't get the Ribeiro situation resolved, and Colorado keeps getting better. That Ribeiro situation needs to just go away. Yeah. I think Mike Ribeiro just needs to go away. He just needs to not be in the NHL anymore. But anyway. Lots of targets out there. We know that, that Colorado talked about wanting to go hard in the paint for Sakara and for OG I've seen as well. Um, obviously, Sakara is going to be the number one prize defenseman this summer. So whoever gets them, gets him, gets a nice shiny 2015 free agency banner to hang. But I think we're all pretty much in 100% agreement on this one, too, on the deal, on the, the series of deals. The return is spectacular compared to um, what I was afraid was going to happen. I thought they were going to wait too long, and then we were just going to be completely underwhelmed. And ugh. But showing that they've learned from the Paul Stassi situation. So finally, let's run down the Avalanche draft selections because there was a draft this weekend, believe it or not. Um, and I'm going to defer quite a bit here because, like I like I say a lot, I don't follow prospects at all till they're Avs assets. There's too much to, care, to keep track of. There's not enough access to them down here for me in Oklahoma. So with round one, Colorado takes uh, Miko Ranson, and that's who Ryan picked for him for Mile High Hockey's mock. Um, so well done there. Branson in his uh, finish. He's a power forward, for, sort of, from what I've read. What do we know about him? You want to take that one, AJ, first? Uh, you're more than welcome to. I've been going first. It's all good. You're, I don't you're so, too Canadian, right? I was going to say, you're so typical Canadian right now, being all nice like this. Being all second. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Bloop. <laughs> Um, I really like him. I watched a uh, World Juniors Championship, and he played very well. He had four goals in out of the eight. I think Finland scored. I have to double check, but I'm pretty sure they only scored eight goals in that whole tournament. Tournament, and he did very well. He is a power forward in the term of size wise, but not necessarily in player type. He's not going to be the one to fight, but try getting him off the puck, and it's you're in for a hell of a fight. That sounds good to me. Of course, prospect profiles always sound good to me. Yeah, they're kind of designed to. Yeah, they're like <laughs> sales pitches. Yeah, kind of. Uh, you know, Rantanen was a guy that um, 
you know, over at BSN, we, <laughs> we, we, we predicted the abs would take him in our mock, but it was, there was some consternation involved in it. There was, there was a lot of fighting back and forth about just how good we thought he actually was. Uh, you know, Cole loved him. I've always been his, I would say his biggest skeptic of, of the BSN people. Um, but over the last couple of weeks, I sat down and really dedicated some time to watching as much film as I could on him. And it's hard not to be really excited about him. The guy just has so much high-end offensive skill. And I just, it's exciting, you know. He's a, he's a right wing. He's a big body. And oof, he's just, I just don't know. I just don't know what, what more you could want out of, out of a guy, especially 10th overall. How often do you get a guy that talented 10th overall where it's just, I don't know. He can do he can do everything you want. Um, my biggest complaint about him is that he's he's a big body and he doesn't always play like it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there have been times where he he doesn't he doesn't Im- use his size to to impose himself upon other people quite as well. So it's you know it's just one of those things. Um, He's but also played left wing in the past, and he's able to play that in the NA, well, when in the future as well. Yeah, and well, and he's just ah, he's one of those he's one of those wingers, man. That just when you when you watch him, and especially if you actually are able to get any of his games um, for his for his Finnish team, that team is that team is terrible. <laughs> like that is that's just not a good hockey team. And you look at the fact that he is a seventeen year old kid playing in a in a pretty good European league and contributing and producing the way that he did in that league. You don't see guys come out of Europe with those kinds of numbers very often. And he's nowhere near the defensive player that uh, Barkov was when he came out of there a couple years ago. But I think his offensive upside is much higher. I think he's a guy that, and I know, I know Dario who will probably listen to this. He on draft night compared him, you know, to, to a Yarmir Yager, not in that, He's going to be a Yager, but in that he kind of plays a similar style of game. And I think I think comparisons like that are super unfair, so I just naturally made it for him. But it's hard <laughs> to disagree with him because he he's – I mean, they, they play a similar style of game. And if he's able to tap into that potential and have that kind of career, well, boy, howdy, that's a pretty good pick. Now, if you're going to invoke Yager, I have to ask, how's the hockey butt? Eh, not as good, but you know, he's not. He's also not going to have the kind of mullet that that Yogs did back in his prime. It's unfortunate, really. That that mullet. Yager is an international treasure. Um. So, what do we think about the immediate future? When does Ransonen come over? Um, does he stick? What's his? Uh, I I know then that. Finns have mandatory military service. Where does he stand on that? Um, what's the immediate future look like? Personally, I think he comes over right away, and he, I think he has a, a chance to make the opening night roster. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't put his his chances at very good. But I think um, before free agency, before knowing what the ABS do, he has a chance. But I think he should be in the AHL no matter what. I don't know what more he has to prove playing on a bad team in Finland. I don't know how much more that that helps his development. I don't know what more he has to do to accomplish over there. 
Um, I think he's better served coming over and playing in North America right away because I think he is a guy who's going to be on the fast track. So I think I think he's probably an NHL regular within within three years. I would prefer him being in the AHL, but I don't know about um, his commitments, what he needs to have done in Finland before he can come over to North America. Yeah, I need to find out. Um, um, he's, there's something about um, – doesn't, doesn't he have a, a military service obligation over there? Yes. Like, like in South Korea, they have – I know that all, those, all the, the boys have that commitment. Singapore so, too. Yeah, I need, to, I need to find out exactly uh, what he has to do in order to satisfy that because I know – I know, just speaking, because this is the one I know about, I know South Korea, those guys can put off their service for a couple of years if they're seeking, um, in their case, it's a pro gaming career. I know they can put that off until the career ends. I don't know how Finland does it, but if they're able to do the same thing, then bring him over to the HL right away. They can do it in terms of military service, or they can do it in terms of civilian service. And I'm taking this from the always reliable wikipedia.org nice um it's universal mail conscription um or you can do it in the civilian service center in the amazingly named finnish thing town or organization or something called lapanjarvi it's a town or a lake okay thank you i, I just i love finnish it's such an amazing amazing language And it lasts usually less than a year, it looks like. Um, 12 months if you do civilian. I don't know how much he's actually done himself, though. So that would be something for future research projects that are not done live during a recording. But I know he's not done with it. That's for sure. And I've seen it suggested that maybe he should stay in Europe for a year and get that all taken care of in one shot so he didn't have to do it every summer like some prospects do. So that's Miko Rantanen. Let's look at round two where Colorado made a really nice trade down. Trade down all of eight spots and get an additional second and then an additional pickup beyond that. So that's a thing. Thank you, San Jose. You kind of owed us one. Call. Stewart. Call. First pick, A.J. Greer. This one probably generated the most anger. Is that what that was? Yeah. Anger? Cuz it certainly it sure looked like a whole lot of a whole lot of irrational caterwauling to me. Cuz I mean AJ Greer, do I think he was probably picked a little higher than expected? Yeah, definitely. But when it comes to when it comes to the draft board, you know, I mean, you're going we're all basing that off of publications that publish draft services you know and, and their guides and their rankings and all that and you get i mean zachary sinition was drafted at what 15th overall and he was he was a guy that, that was slated to be a second round pick jansen harkins was picked in the second round after he was he was slated to be you know a mid to late first round pick so ranking services are not nhl teams you know they teams teams build their boards based on the, the criteria that they're looking for and just some of the, some of the anger about AJ Greer getting picked is just like, you know, 
there's there's a player there. He's the youngest player in, in college hockey last year. His points weren't very good, but he also was playing third and fourth line minutes for the vast majority of the season on a championship caliber team. Like that's Boston University is consistently one of the top college programs. For him to be a 17-year-old already in college and he's not Jack Eichel, so you know, that's it's an accomplishment. Look at it, look at so many of the other young college players that go in there a year early. Almost all of them are high-end guys. Like Greer, Greer did not make it there because he's a scrub. He's a big body that plays a heavy game, and it's gonna take him a little while to mature, but he's got a whole bunch of skill. And towards the end of the year, he was playing first and second line minutes. And the guy, the guys, the guy scored a behemoth of a goal in the frozen the frozen four semifinal game against North Dakota. And anybody that watches that goal and is like, oh shit. And like that's that's a that's nasty skills that he used on that goal. It was a monster of a slap shot. Like that's 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 filthy stuff. And for for a guy that plays, like he's a high energy, highly physical, high impact guy, it's I'm excited as hell about that pick. But you know, I'm also the guy that's been telling people for four months that the abs were going to pick him. So when they picked him, I didn't have this list sitting in front of me that I was stroking it to that. I was trying to adhere <laughs> like it was like it was the fucking Bible, man. I knew the abs were going to pick Greer at some point. So when they did, okay, whatever they picked him. No big surprise for us. We've been saying for four months, it was going to happen. I didn't think it would be this early, but the only reason I didn't think it would be this early is because services had him ranked a little bit lower. So, Talent-wise, do I think he's a second-round pick? Sure. From what I've seen of him, which was just a handful of games, I haven't seen tons of him. But he was, he's a damn good player, and he was a damn good player in a limited role. You give him a chance to expand upon that, and he's going to be around a lot of high-caliber players over the next couple of years, and he's going to be getting more ice time. If he never develops, sure, we can go off and call him Ryan Stoa. But, you know, Ryan Stoa wasn't that good in college either. So... That was just a bad pick. Let's let's maybe hold off and maybe at least let him play a game first, you know, after being drafted before we start comparing him to one of Colorado's more high-profile busts of the last 10 years. Because that's, that's fucking dumb. His play is getting better as well as he goes on. He's a young guy, and I think people forget that he's playing against guys that are much older compared to if he was playing in the OHL, let's say. And he's going to develop more, and I think that he'll be much better in a couple of years, and Colorado will look okay in a couple of years on about this pick. Yeah, he's a, he's, he was a 17-year-old this past season, right, playing against guys in their 20s, so that's... Yeah, he was he was the youngest guy in college hockey. Yeah. With the very next pick in round two, Colorado then takes um, a name that I have never heard said, so I'm going to take a stab at it with Nicholas Maloche. That's how I pronounce it. But what do we know about I, this one? Uh, you know, he's it's it's funny because right now the excitement is all about Miko Rantanen and the consternation and the the anger is all about AJ Greer and the the curiosity is all focused on Andre Mironov and everybody's kind of forgot that Maloche happened and he's the guy that I think outside of Randon that I'm most excited about because he plays he is super smart hockey player 
and he's got a big body and he plays an extremely physical game. Very, very, very shut down defensively minded, but he packs quite a bit of offensive talent. I don't think he's ever going to be a, a point scorer, um, a big like like he might be one of those guys that ends up with like I think Nate Ginnon scored 15 points last year and they were mostly just kind of whoopsie daisies. <laughs> you know, those, those points where exactly the secondary assists and, you know, kind of nonsense like that. I think that's that's his future as a as a point guy. But defensively. He's good, man. He's he's a big guy. He's he's a good skater. He's really physical. Really gets after it hard and he's a smart hockey player. His biggest thing is his like like most players his age, experience, strength, um and a little bit of the decision making, you know, especially with the puck. He he likes to take some of those chances sometimes where you're just like, "What are you doing, man?" <laughs> but beyond that, I I love that pack. I I wanted the, I wanted them to come out of the the draft with uh uh with a with a good defensive prospects and I think they probably walked out with two, but Melosha's I, I I love the pick. I think it's a great pick. I really enjoyed him. I've seen a few games in Bay Kummel, uh where he played in juniors and this guy is 17 years old again and he's plays like he's 17 sometimes he does do stupid mistakes like AJ said but he's very strong and he's not afraid to use his body and he's going to fill out he's still just he's 63 and he's i think 185 190 he's going to fill out a little bit more he can play very intelligently when he's not pressed and i think that's just with age as well and I wanted Colorado to draft a couple of good defensemen like AJ, and I think that he can be very good. I'm looking at the uh, the write up on Melotion on the Avalanche website, and it doesn't have his. Uh... Wait, maybe, maybe there it is. Yeah, six two two oh four. Oh, so he's gotten bigger. Yeah, he's he was the guy that we had uh, at BSN that we had. Um, targeted early on as a potential second round guy for the abs. He wasn't, he's not, <coughs> excuse me. He's not nearly the sexy name that like Brandon Carlo is. So I can understand, you know, the dis- disappointment that the abs took themselves out of a position to take Carlo and ended up with Maloche. But, um, you know, I think, I think, he's, I think he's a great, great young prospect. And I think he's going to be, a guy that um, ends up in the top three prospects for the Avs in the next two or three years, easily. Round three, Colorado stay in the queue with uh, J.C. Bodin. Is that Jean-Christophe Bodin? So how do we how do we actually say it, Sandy? Jean-Christophe Bodin. Nice. I'm not going to try that, so no. J.C. works no. for me. J.C., <laughs> just like Coach Andre. Yep, just like Coach Andre, we're just going we're white way way the white way out, yo. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> Our English speaker's the best. We are. Hey, makes no I I sound worse trying to speak Russian, so it's all good. <laughs> Yikes. So what do we know about pick JC? Uh, you know, uh, again, um good size and hockey smarts. 
The biggest thing with him was his IQ. Um, this was actually Cheryl's guide to to profile. Um, we watched a couple of those games. You know, I would, I would, I would hit that up any chance, any chance, any anytime she wanted uh, help watching a guy. And I, I liked his game quite a bit. He's um, not a big, not not going to be a big goal scorer, but I like him as a playmaker quite a bit. I think he's a creative guy. He's got good vision and hockey smarts, man. It's one of those guys that's always in always in the right position always reads the play just processes the game at such a high level and guys like that are hard to keep out of the nhl i don't know how high his upside is uh i'm not really sold on him being a top six guy in the future but i think a guy that that's that is that intelligent um will certainly find a way to make himself impactful in pro hockey so uh for for the third round and i don't remember who was there that they also could have taken. Um, but I don't, I, I, to be honest at this point, I don't care anymore. Um, they took who they took. And so that's what I care about. And I think he fits in with the avalanche moving forward really nicely. He's a guy that makes sense in their organization. Um, I don't, on my viewings, he didn't look like the greatest skater, but there's a guy on Twitter that's blowing me up yesterday and today telling me how wrong I am and that he's a fantastic skater. So, he might be a great skater. I didn't think he was, but, you know, scouting. Surely a Twitter person wouldn't blow up someone else by how wrong they are. Surely. No. Yeah. Surely not on actually.com. Yeah. So. It's been, it's been an interesting couple of... Uh, <laughs> I don't doubt it. Couple couple days for us where the vast majority of it has been good, but... Some of it hasn't been, so it's been interesting. Anyway, JC, thumbs up. I don't know that much about this one. I've seen only a few, I guess, highlights type thing. He seems very defensively minded in the sense of he's not going to make stupid mistakes every single time he has the puck, which is good. So good. So good. Like good Qualities. You know, I really, a couple of years ago, that probably would not have stood out to me as something that I cared too much about. But <laughs> after after having, like, sat through the bad NHL players that I have the last couple of years, there's, there's, a different, there's a different mindset. There's a different priority list in my mind where I'm like, a guy that doesn't make mistakes? A guy that doesn't do holy shit, what are you thinking type things all the time? Sign Stop. me up. Sold. Right? It has come to this. Yeah. Yeah. Round four. It's so much more, right? That's all? <laughs> yeah. Round four from Dynamo Moscow. Andre Mironov. Uh, well, other than our initial confusion over which one it actually was, uh, once we got that sorted out, pretty, pretty interesting, actually, the... You like that he's 20 years old. Um, I mean, in the, in the draft, you don't like that he's 20 years old. But when you look at it in the hockey landscape, that he's 20 and he's an all-star in the KHL, which is widely accepted as the second best league in the world. I like that. I, you know, that's how can you not be excited about that? He's the youngest guy on Russia's world championship team. And one of the only highlights of him on YouTube is him fighting a Swede at the end of a game. 
in which he punched a dude right in the face, and it was wonderful. Right in the face. Yeah, right in the face. Like, he got jumped from behind and got socked a little bit, and then then he came back. I like that. That's a good good, good fighter spirit. Defended himself admirably in that, that throwdown, so... I mean, obviously, I can't. I can't talk too intelligently about it. I've never actually seen him play a game, and a scouting report for him doesn't exist. So, <laughs> he's you know he's a guy that Corey Pronman, you know ESPN's um, and a draft guy, said that he he had limited viewings of him this year, but <clears throat> really, really liked his game. Otherwise, if Pronman hasn't seen him, ain't nobody seen him. Yeah, well, he said that he wouldn't. He didn't. He didn't rank him because he did, he only had limited viewings. But what he had seen of him, he really liked. So that's you know, for me, hell yeah. I I didn't like it at first because I was like, what are we doing drafting a guy that's twenty years old? But when you think about it, you know, twenty years old, probably a little bit quicker to the NHL. I have a but, better idea what he's gonna be. Yeah, definitely, and that he's already an all-star in the KHL is certainly encouraging. And I, we went back and I looked at all his game log from last season. His time on ice at the beginning of the year started in the 14, 15, 16-minute range. And by the end of the year, he was 22, 20, 21, 20, 22. Every night, he was right in that 20-minute range or breaking it. So his team definitely, you know, whether it be injuries or whatever, his team definitely gave him significantly more ice time at the end of the year. And that's, you know, that Dynamo team went to the, their conference finals in the KHL last year. So that's not a bad team either for him to be getting top minutes like that. That's, that's encouraging. Let's but see, what other defensemen do they have over at Dynamo? Um, bunch of guys I'd never heard of. Matt one Robinson, of them, I can say that one. One of, one of them looked like a postal worker. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I clicked on it. I clicked on his page and I looked at his picture. I just couldn't help it. I was just like, "Oh my gosh!" This shit's hysterical. Yanni Yanisvara, Gleb Koryagin, and then Andre, and then Philippe Novak, Alexander Osipov. I've heard that one before. Matt Robinson, Dmitry Sinitsin, and Maxim Solovyev, and Dmitry Vishnevsky are his decor. Sweet. So, if you've heard of any of them, you're doing better than me. Yeah, me too. Although that team does have uh, Casper's Dogavans and uh, where's that other name that I saw that I recognized? <laughs> Come on, ah, whatever. Yeah, so Nikolai he's. There it is. You know, it's exciting that he's already experienced success over there, but he signed a two-year contract extension in April. So unless that transfer agreement comes on down. You know, he's a non-factor in North America for at least two years. Round five, Colorado too cool for round five. Round six, we stay Q and we stay Russian with Sergei Boykov. Sandy, do you have anything on him? Not too much, to be honest. I don't really watch Dremendil, uh just based on the teams that I typically watch are the teams that I grew up watching. Um, so I might have seen him play other teams, but like play the teams that I watch, but not enough for him to have stood out in my mind. Let's see. According to the Avalanche side, he was second on the team in assists and points on among defensemen, and posted a team best plus. Uh, who cares about that? 
Um, and he played with Russia in the 2013 Ivan Hlinka, so that's a thing. And yeah. And 6'2", Another overage Russian defenseman, only as I think I think Cole put it on BSN yesterday in our recap. Um, he said, you know, this is this is of the two, this is the confusing one because he looks like he's the same guy who couldn't get drafted last year. He was like a, like one of the final picks of the import draft a couple years ago and he was ranked somewhere in the 100, 190s, 180s, something like that last year. Couldn't get drafted. Wasn't ranked by anybody this year. There was nothing on him anywhere. And I I haven't put eyes on him. I have no idea. I've not watched him play. I don't know if there's any upside to this. It just it just seemed like such a random, like, what in the world is this? But I guess I guess compared to compared to Miranov, at least he's already over in North America. <laughs> so cool. But I, I don't know, man. I just, it's tough for me to get excited about an overage defenseman who hasn't shown any kind of growth in in a couple of years. So, round seven, Gustav Olaver. This is a oh boy. This is Lurch. This is six foot six, two thirteen pound center. Yeah, this is uh, a this is a this is a specimen. If anybody if anybody follows a handful of the the Swedish Avs fans on Twitter yesterday, you'll know that this was not a popular selection. Why is that? Uh, they were they were pissed, to put it kindly. That um, they don't they they did not think that he was a, he was just a big guy, not a lot of skill, not a lot of upside, just a big body, and. For me, I'm just like, look, the the Avs sent over a scout to Europe, and while they were watching Andre Miranov, they just happened to see the Swede standing over there, over in Sweden. So they picked him. That's it. He's six foot six. The Avs looked at it and were like, hell yeah, that sounds great, and they went with it because his his production not really all that exciting, considering he was not playing in the highest levels over there. No. So I don't even know what league Rogel's in, and he was playing with their U twenty side and scored twelve points in forty one games. Yeah, he and, dominated their U eighteen, right? Twenty five and, and eighteen, and then he goes up to the U twenty and this disappears. He's just not nearly as impactful. You know, the production certainly wasn't there, and I haven't seen him play. So again, I just don't. And for a seventh round pick, like me personally, I'm not going to do. A lot of hand wringing. If we were going to take an overage guy, I would have rather we had taken Pew Suter out of Guelph, because I think he, I thought he was a guy that had a lot of talent, even as an overage guy. You know, he played on a really good team and didn't get drafted again this year, so I guess that's probably it for him. But I'm not going to throw too big of a fit over seventh round guy. Yeah, or a sixth. Yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, I for those for those picks, I would prefer for the Avalanche to take guys like they they used to when Pracy was here with, like a Colin Smith in the seventh round. Like, take us take us take a little bit of a smaller guy, but maybe a guy with more skill, and just hope hope that you get something instead of just taking a big old guy that doesn't have a lot of skill. Like it's, 
it's a lot harder to develop world-class skills moving down the line, you know? I mean, of course, you're never going to get, you know, Colin Smith is never going to be six foot one, but he could still be a good and productive hockey player, and I think he's a lot closer to being in the NHL than Olhaver probably ever will be. So that's my only complaint, I guess, with the with the Avs draft was that, you know, they fired Rick Pracy for getting tunnel visioned on small skill guys. And then Patrick Waugh goes out there this year without Pracy around. And all he does is just take big power forwards all over the place. 6'4 and 6'3 so. and 6'2 and 6'1 and 6'2 and 6'2 and 6'6. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously he was looking for, for size and skating. And that's okay. That's great. He got that, but at the same time, it's like the thing that, that he criticized Pracy so strongly for, he just turned around and did the exact same thing. So, you know, he there's no there's no variety in the abs picks. They didn't pick an offensive defenseman. They picked all defensively minded guys, and they picked all big guys. So I just, overall I'm 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 happy with the guys that they walked out of the draft with, but I'm not I'm not thrilled about the process that they used to get there. It makes me a little nervous moving forward, but you know that's that's a fight for another day. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment. Well, at least with my limited knowledge of these guys. But that was definitely the theme. We're going to get big, and we're going to pick up a lot of defense pr- defensive prospects, which they did do. Um, we need them, so. But that's your avalanche action over the last 48 hours. It's been a pretty busy period, especially compared to the last few months. And then also the next few months, summer is kind of here. So let's take a step back to the bigger picture. Do not feed the octopus. Ask the real question. Are the abs better next year? Are the abs better three years from now? And where do you see the new guys slotting in the roster? Next year is a little bit tough to say because UFA hasn't happened yet, but let's just take the question with as of right this minute. AJ, you go ahead first. Um, I don't, I'm not comfortable saying they're better. Um, the downgrade from O'Reilly to Soderberg is not insignificant. Uh, O'Reilly really is a top-flight two-way player. However, however you feel about his point production, you know, he's not – I feel like it's it's comfortable that he's not uh, an 80-point guy, but I feel like he's proven that he's absolutely a 50-point guy. Um, and playing the kind of defense that he does and taking on the minutes that he does, that's going to be extremely difficult for the Avalanche to replace. Um, I think a lot, if, if the Avs were to go into next year with the exact same roster, having made no other moves... The guys that they have, or assuming all the RFAs come back, the guys that they have are the guys they're going to have. Uh, I don't feel like I feel like they're better balanced, but not better. Um, I feel like they don't have an answer towards who takes the tough minutes, who plays the, the tough center minutes. But I feel like their forward depth, even even with just Winchester coming back, is going to help so much. Uh, but losing O'Reilly and McGinn out of your top nine, I mean that's that's tough to replace. You know, as much as we as much as a lot of us like Dennis Everberg, you know, he's not going to replace the kind of production that Jamie McGinn brought. And the Avs don't really have an immediate answer for that. So I think, and with the downgrade from O'Reilly to Soderberg, 
I feel like the forward core is is significantly worse today. Um, the defense is obviously better with Zadarov than without. And if the the uh, the forward core included includes Grigorenko or even Hishin, I'd feel I feel a little bit better about it. But it's it's so tough to tell, you know, not knowing what the abs are because you know that what the abs have right now is not what they're going to war with when the puck drops on opening night. So it's it's tough it's tough to feel strongly either way, but just looking at it objectively and taking a step back, the abs are worse today but better tomorrow. I think they're better defensively, weaker offensively at this point. I think that the loss of Jamie McGinn is going to be a bigger piece than people think. And you knew that O'Reilly was leaving, so that's not really something that takes into consideration but I think that their defense is significantly better than what it was is that saying much I don't know not really it's a low bar well I didn't set it yeah it it just continues like the abs just slowly continue to to add that depth in there you know even even though we don't expect much in the NHL from a guy like Martinson you know even his addition makes the AHL team just just a little bit better and it just creates that better depth when in, in the injuries inevitably happen. It gives them more options. I think they're a better organization one through 55 today than they were three days ago. Much, much, much better. I would definitely agree with that, even though the, the NHL roster is weaker than it was three days ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, with 16 million in cap space, I feel like the Avalanche have an opportunity to. I mean, I feel like they could sign three high-impact free agents if they wanted to, and still have enough room to do what they need to do uh, with guys next year. Right. And as much concern as you may have about the drafting process, I feel like the changes that we've seen over the last few days have been really good signs for the process in terms of player personnel and pro scouting. Absolutely. Oh my God. I- as, as I wrote about a few cool. nights ago, I'm just I am really happy to see the the new way that they're doing these things. Though they're they're using their 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 higher round or their lower round picks to you know acquire some some assets, and, the, and they're managing the assets they have to bring in futures when those assets are probably leaving. Just those two things in particular are just like okay, you have. Gotten burned and learned way how to step out of the fire. Yeah, turning turning two um, two expiring assets that if you wanted to keep were going to be top dollar um, to retain them both into into four young players on cheap contracts is perfect management of, of how you how you go about um, a salary cap era. Like that's that's perfect. That's exactly what you do. That's exactly the kind of thing that Chicago's been doing to make everybody mad for years. And I would <laughs> love, I would love for the Avalanche to take that cap space, turn around and offer sheet Brandon Sod for six million dollars, knowing that even though even though the Blackhawks will match that, it it keeps the Blackhawks from getting a big time discount on him like they do all over their roster. Mm-hmm. It means that they have to pay top dollar for one of their players. Finally, I would do that, and then I would you know, you just take that six million, that theoretical six million off the books, and you still walk out and you go go sign Oduya and Sakara at the same time. Like, get out there and go be aggressive. Like, there's 
They have an opportunity to actively hurt a division rival, and I want to see him take it. And then, obviously, if Brandon Saad signs for $6 million, all right, it's a little bit of an overpayment, but you got Brandon Saad. It's a really good young player. Congrats. Your team is now better. So I that's I that's <laughs> was not a goal that was possible a couple days ago, but now it very much is. Yeah, especially with the addition of that 2016 second. Yeah. Because they can go I my biggest thing is just force Chicago's hand. Do not give them an opportunity to talk Brandon Sod into how wonderful it is to play for the Blackhawks. I'm so sick of that shit. Make them pay for their players. If they want to give Taze and Kane stupid money, fine. Punish them for that. They can't they can't my big fear is that they're gonna get some Tyler Toffoli and bridge deal bullshit. Where they walk out of there and Brandon Sod's on their cap for the next couple of years, and which are which are going to be the two toughest years for them to manage with these contracts for their for Taze and Kane. I want to see them punish that. Like once they get out of these first couple of years, I think they'll be fine. But force them to pay real money to keep their guys instead of instead of them having the opportunity to sign one of them for cheap. There's 29 fan bases that want to want their team to offer sheet Brandon Sod, so he can pretty much choose where what his destination is going to be if that's what he wants to do. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if the, if the Blackhawks are talking, oh, we'd really like to keep you for, you know, say two years on, an, on a couple more, you know, just a couple more RFA years for, for three and a half million, you know, fuck that. No, walk out there and give him six years at $6 million per. And, you know, is, is a 22, 23-year-old kid going to turn that money down? That's going to be real hard to say no to, isn't it? And he's only going to keep getting better. So I just I just feel like, you know, and I don't even care if it's 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 the abs. I just – somebody has to do it. Somebody's <laughs> got to go out there. Same thing with Dougie Hamilton. Like the Flames, the Flames just stole him from Boston. Make them pay for that. When he gets to RFA, dude, walk out there, throw big money at him. Now I don't want the I don't want the Avalanche to do both because then that ties up all their money and they're gonna miss out on everybody else. But just ah, uh, come on, NHL GMs, stop being dumb. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention in Avalanche news is the team has definitely qualified um, Joey Hishin, yay, and are definitely not qualifying Jordan Curran. So those are two predictions we got right, and the team got and- right. Yeah, and the Quran one more than the Hishin one is the the thing that makes me happy because the Hishin was going to happen no matter what. But seeing that the team is willing to say, you know what, we tried this, it didn't work, and they're willing to move on from it that quickly, perfect. Because you know, with with the Stewart and the Barra and the Genin and the Cleish extensions, those were guys who didn't play very well, but managed to somehow keep their jobs. So. Pretty, pretty, pretty excited. It's it's a minor thing, but it just goes to show you that the process is improving. And there's still RFA news to come on on names like Pickard and Elliott. <coughs> so there's a lot more coming, but that's a good start. Yeah, and it has to happen by tomorrow. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we won't we won't necessarily hear about extending qualifying offers because you don't you hardly never hear. Oh, they've extended a qualifying offer. Somebody but, pretty much has to ask that question and get the answer. Yeah, they don't just do a press release over it. Exactly. They don't just send that shit out. So it's, we'll, you know, we'll see. 
So to finish off DNFTO's question, where do you see the new guys slotting in the roster? Um, I will start with, do you guys see Grigorenko on the NHL roster next season? Because I think I do. I, again, before UFA, I, it's tough to tell. But assuming the Avs sign no impact forwards, I, I do. I may not be thrilled with it, but I do. I, for some reason, I have more faith in Grigorenko than a lot of people do. I, don't, I can't explain it. I've never really spent that much time watching him. I tell you, it's when, totally he's on, man, he's, when he's on, he's special. He's got incredible hands. He's not, he's not a very fast skater, so he'll be kind of an awkward fit for us. But, you know, Jerome McGinn was not either, and he led the team in scoring. So Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Zadaroff, are we thinking that's going to be a, uh, a Tyson Berry partner? Yes. That's to start – to start off with, yeah. Depending again, depending on UFA, if they go out and they sign Sakara and Oduya, no. What was that, Sandy? You cut out pretty bad in the middle of what you were saying. Oh, sorry. I said that's the hope. Okay. But again, it depends what we get for free agency. It's mm-hmm. only a few days away. Yeah, thankfully. Any closing remarks? Because we're right, um, at, we're right at about our hour mark that I like to hit, and we are there. Um, no, I mean, I feel like I've, I've kind of indirectly pimped BSN enough today, so I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into an advertisement. Okay. Well, next week you can expect a show from us on the early days of free agency and Hall of Fame inductions and anything else that goes down in Avs Nation between now and then. After that, we may go dark for a while, though I do promise we won't leave you completely dry all summer. Uh, you can now find our complete back catalog on SoundCloud. Shout out to them for their new native podcast support. It lets the lets me just kind of magically have an RSS feed that I don't have to actually do any work for. It's just kind of <laughs> there. You just Hell go yeah. in and copy and paste it and then put it wherever it needs to be. So that's really cool. I'm a big fan of that. It's, it was been in beta for a long time, which I had to apply for it. And I was just like, eh, I'll wait until I can give them money and not only have two shows up at a time. So follow the show on milehighhockey.com and on soundcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast and on mixcloud.com slash milehighhockeypodcast. Or you can now just search your favorite podcatcher for Mile High Hockey Podcast. We'll show up, and I'll include the RSS link in the post on the site. Follow me on Twitter at SteveHouse11. Follow AJ at Bacon Crush and follow Sandy at Sandy G. That's Sandy, S-A-N-D-I-E-G-E-E. And, of course, MHH at Facebook.com slash milehighhockey and on Twitter at milehighhockey. Keep your head up and get to the dirty areas, and we will yell at you all about overpaid free agents in a week. Usually, I try and try and just do it however they say it um, during the broadcast, but. That's always dangerous because you don't know if that guy's like the altitudes, the, yeah. the altitudes oh. or not. Oh, those guys hurt my head. Yeah. Nicholas Malach. Yeah, exactly. Or Meadow Shea. The one that kills me is Tongi. It just slays me. Hey, you're, you're, that's a losing battle for you, though. Yeah. I know. Sorry. Yes. No. Nin- 1998 was a long time ago, dear. Ugh. But it doesn't stop. Yeah, it's not going to.
It's okay. He's only going to be around for another year or two. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know how much fun you have hearing people say P.A.'s last name, too. Parento? Uh, I'm pretty sure today it's pronounced waivers. Yep. It's pronounced yeah. buyout today. <laughs> P.A. Buyouto. Dude, I can't believe the the Kings are buying out Richards. That's so long. Dude, it shocks me. They got 10 years of that thing. 20, 25. Oh, there they are. I knew it was coming. It was well-timed, though. Yeah. They kept quiet for the good parts. Yeah. Oh. 